0: Okay, so for the next couple weeks, we're going to study a particular character. And uh, we're going to study today a guy by the name of David. Who here would say that that is either your first or second favorite person in the Bible? Let me see who you are. Absolutely. Um, He's the guy who who killed Goliath. Um, He killed a lion. He killed a bear with his own hands. In fact, that's exactly what we're going to talk about in a little bit. But before I get there, I want to just say that um, if you read Scripture, it becomes incredibly obvious that God had a love, a passion for His relationship with David that was like no one else in Scripture. And so if you're like me and you want to have the best, closest relationship with God you possibly can, just back up and say, what was it about David that arrested God's affection? What was it? So I want to rattle off four things real quick, and then I'm going to start talking about his battles. The first thing was, David was passionate. He had a heart for God. He had a heart for God. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, lunch with somebody, and while I was having lunch, they don't go to our church, but... They're in the community, I started talking with them, and all of a sudden I started talking about church and God, and I'm excited, and I realize they're not excited with me. <laughs> Have you ever been there? It's like, okay, I'm going to, let's talk about the Texans or Astros or something, this ain't going well. But my wife and I went out to dinner uh, with uh, some people last night, and uh, we started talking about God, and started interrupting each other like Crazy. They're talking over me. I'm talking over them. My wife is talking over. They're talking over my wife. You get people that are passionate about God. They can't burn I just gave Colleen a hug, and she's like, God's presence is here. I'm like, yes, it is. She's like, yes, it is. I'm like, yes, it is. And they're like, well, we're not just talking all over each other. It's like when you, you find somebody that has a passion for God, they, get, they love to talk about it. This was David. Number two is that David... Loved to worship. He loved to worship. Here's the thing about God. Worship arrests God's attention. It attracts God's attention. Here's something interesting. In John chapter 4 verse 23, it actually says that God searches for worshipers. You know, search, when you, you think of the word search, every single word in the Bible is there for a reason. You know, if when I say search, I want you to think about what you look like and what you act like when you're searching for the keys to your car. It's like, you got my keys! You got my keys! Anyone see my keys? And you're just throwing, you're looking for your keys. You walk, or if you're looking for the remote to the TV, you walk up to somebody that's sitting on the couch, and you say, Are you sitting on the remote? They say, No, well, stand up anyway. <laughs> Are you with me? It just make sure. It's it's it, you're searching, you're looking. It doesn't say that he wants worshipers. That's implied in the search. It says that he's looking, if you can imagine the world spinning on its axis, and as it spins, he's He's looking for worshipers, and when he finds one, oh my goodness, David knew that about God. See, a worshiper, if you are a worshiper, the music, you, you don't even care really what the words say. It, it, it's kind of like background music, it's like ambiance, it's like music in an elevator, it's just music at a restaurant, it, it's, it's radio music, it's, it, it creates the atmosphere But you're not depending on the words because to a worshiper, it's not about words, it's about heart, it's about passion. You can sit in your car and just worship, you sit in your house and worship, you sit, you just I just love to worship. There's a huge difference between a spectator and a participator. There's a huge difference between a person that likes to listen to worship and a person who worships. And when God sees a worship, it attracts His attention. It attracts His attention. So, he had a heart for God. He worshipped God. Here's number three, is that he had a repentant heart. I, I recorded a, a podcast last week, that, and the title was, I'm sorry. Because those little words, I'm sorry are words that a lot of times are very difficult for some people to say. You can go years, you can go months, and not say I'm sorry. And there's reasons for that, and that's what the podcast was about. David did not fit in that category. David made, not mistakes, royal mistakes. I'm talking adultery, I'm talking several wives when God made it abundantly clear you're supposed to have one. Can you imagine Valentine's Day in his world? But he had several wives, he was a murderer, I mean come on, these are major stuff. But here's the thing about David, he was passionate in his repentance. You know, that that made God look at him and say, I love you. You know what the Bible says? I think this is in Romans 9.12. Let me find out where it is. Yes, Romans 9.12. It says, he calls people, but not according to their good and bad works. When he called David, it wasn't because David had good and bad. He had this track record of a whole bunch of good things. See, you're here this morning because God called you here. You say, no, my wife elbowed me. No. (laughs) You say, no, uh, I, I live alone in my apartment. The only reason why I'm here is because somebody invited me here. No, somebody invited you here, but something else called you here. And the Bible says that He calls people, Romans 9, 12, He calls people, but not according to their good and bad works. So when He called you this morning, when He called you last night, it wasn't because you have this huge track record of awesome things. No. And He didn't call you because your track record is so bad that He's got to fix you. No. He doesn't call you because of your good or your bad works. He calls you because He loves you. Woo! Somebody say yes! Yes. Say it again, yes! Yes. There's nobody like God. If you have a massive track record with somebody in your life and all you do is is disappoint them and disappoint them and disappoint them, guess what? They're not going to be your friend for much longer. That's not how God is. He calls you and says, come worship me. Be in relationship with me. and It has nothing to do with your good or bad work. There's nobody like God. And then number three, not only did he have a heart for God, not only did he worship God, not only was he quick to repent, and let me say this, every saint in the church has a past and every sinner has a future. Just let that resonate in your heart a little bit. And now here's number four. Out of 53, let me see what it was. Out of 42, out of 42 kings who ruled Judah and Israel, he was the only one that didn't have adultery, uh, or not, uh, not adultery, uh, he was guilty of that. Um, <laughs> idolatry. He was the only one that didn't set up idols. The only one. Out of all of them, he was the only one. God loves it when he sees somebody who doesn't set up an idol. And you say, "Whoo! I'm clear of that one. I don't have any little figurines that I worship. No, that's not what he's talking about. An idol is when something has your affection. It, it, there's, there's no passion that should ever compete with your passion for God. No passion. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, your lips honor me, but your heart is far from me. Uh, You know, I I read a poll recently that 87%, if I remember the number correctly, of Americans claim to be Christians. Now, how many people here believe that? Well, are we calling him a liar? Well, we're like, how don't look. Don't get me into that. I'm just telling you, I don't believe it. Why don't you believe it? They said it. It's one thing to say it. Your lips honor me, but your heart it's far from me. The, the, you know, it's it's. Watch this. Sunday morning comes. The Lord says, "Don't forsake gathering of the brethren." And people, eighty-seven percent. I love Jesus. How you spend your time reflects your priority. If I call you up, if I look at uh, Phil Restivo, stand up, Phil, uh, Phil from from the Bronx, I say, hey, Phil, let's go jet skiing tomorrow. Tomorrow, let's go jet skiing Lake Conroe. He's going to look at me and say, bro, you should have let me know I got to work tomorrow. Forget work. Let's go jet skiing. Forget work. Phil would look back at me. I know Phil. Phil would say, I got to work. And how he spends his time reflects his priority. It's easy to say, I love God. It's easy to say, I love the church. But when you chew, when you woke up this morning, hmm, you had options. It, you had competing options. There were other things you could have chose to do this morning. But in whatever you chose was what you prioritized over the rest. It's like when you go to a buffet, the Sizzler, anyone you used to eat at the Sizzler. If you don't know about the Sizzler, you're missing out. You show up at the Sizzler and you're looking at 14 meats. Then what do you do? You pick the one you want the most. It's the same thing. Your lips, I love God more than anything in the world. But when it's time to make a decision, whatever you choose to do on Sunday morning is more important than the other option. I got like four people go, amen. (laughs) I'll tell you what you're thinking. You're thinking, I know you're right, I'm just mad that you're saying it. That's what you're thinking. (laughs) So we'll move on. David, oh let me say this too, you teach what you know and you reproduce who you are. So for all of you that dragged kids and threw them in the nursery, guess what? They're going to drag their kids and throw them in the nursery. Just watch. How many of you had a mom or a grandmother that drug you to church? They had a a drug problem, right? Right. And now look at you. You're here dragging people to church. You teach what you know. You reproduce who you are. And every once in a while, there's a a wild branch. Like my dad did not have anybody in his family that was saved. And then he got saved. Now, I'm passionate. My kids are passionate. They don't have a choice but to be passionate. And their kids won't have a choice to be passionate. You show where your passion is by where you spend your time. Somebody say, move on, I got that. <laughs> Here's the thing about David. Not only did David attract God with those three things, but David was a fighter. He fought. he fought. He had three distinguishing battles. He fought a lion, he fought a bear, and he fought a giant. Three very different fights. See, a lion pounces on you. It sits. The Bible says that the enemy prowls around like a lion, waiting for an opportune time. Pounces on you. See, you know the enemy has pounced into your day or pounced into your life when all of a sudden adversity comes out of nowhere. Everything's going fine and you get a phone call and everything falls apart. Everything's going fine and you get the email that you've just been laid off. Or somebody that you love, you've committed your life to them and they betray you. It's a pounce. It comes out of nowhere. Adversity comes out of nowhere. It's like, I, I don't know what just happened. It's just, it just that's, all, that's when a lion it sits there and it waits for an opportune time doesn't pounce on you at 10.15 on a Sunday morning. This is not an opportune time. We just got done worshiping for 23 and a half minutes. This is not an opportune time. An opportune time is Wednesday or Thursday around 2.15. That's an opportune time where he just jumps in. We have a routine doctor appointment and all of a sudden it's not routine. Something showed up. Pounces. David fought a lion. See, the thing about lions is they're private. Nobody knows about them. See, some of you are fighting lions, and we don't know anything about it. You look pretty this morning. You got yourself together. You're a man, so you don't look pretty, but you got your stuff together. You look like everything's perfect. Everybody here is fighting a battle that nobody knows about. But one day a lion just pounced in, just started shredding everything. Just pounced. It came out of nowhere. But then there's the bear. The bear doesn't pounce. A bear doesn't sneak up on anything. All right, even when you watch them in National Geographic, you see the lion sitting there, and his tail looks like a like a coat hanger. It's stiff, and he just slip up one second. The bear, a bear. It doesn't come from outside of you. It hibernates inside of you. See if you. If you've ever fought an addiction, pornography, alcohol, drugs, um, fear, negativity, you have a tendency to cut people off. Never going to talk to that person again. Never going to talk to that person again. Never going to talk to that person again. Just... Even when you're worshiping God and you're walking with God, you're reading your Bible, and you're doing really good, and you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I'm doing pretty good right now. It's sleeping. It's sleeping. Um, had an embarrassing moment. I don't even want to say this because I'm going to regret it. So I won't. How about that? <laughs> I caught it. Woo! So proud of myself right now. (laughs) Let's just say this. There's a lot of times where I say something to somebody that I wish I did not say. And it's with a level of passion and anger that when I walk away, I'm embarrassed and I got to go apologize. And I think to myself, man, I thought I had that licked. I didn't think I did that anymore. I thought I had my life, my relationship with God dialed in. I thought it it was sleeping the whole time. David said it like this, God put to sleep the passions within me. Watch what James said. James said it like this. He said in James 1.14, he goes, Temptation... Comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. First you think about it, then you do it. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my brothers and sisters. He's talking to Christians here. Don't be misled. And that's why there's this scripture that just resonates inside of me, and it's in uh, Romans 13, verse 14. It says this, so then clothe yourself with the presence of Jesus. And don't even think about things, ways to indulge your sinful nature. As soon as it crosses your mind, just get it out. It's starting, that bear is starting to wake up. It's starting, it's starting to wake up. You've got to get it, put it to sleep. You've got to stop thinking about it. The best way to fight a bear is to play dead. God, I I need you. I I don't have the strength. I'm, I'm dead. I need you. I need you. See, the bear and the lion, those are private battles that nobody knows about. But after you fight them, all of a sudden now the Lord backs up. And He says, okay, I've watched you. You thought nobody was watching. You You thought all hell was breaking loose. You're the most unlucky person in the whole world. Everybody's getting blessed except for you. You've been going. Everybody's getting a healing and a celebration except for you. You're, trying, you're like, I'm so happy for you. And you're just... <laughs> just mad. I'm so happy. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you got another raise. All these, all these private battles. And then David shows up. And his brothers are all hiding behind rocks. In fact, there's a whole bunch of people hiding behind rocks because it's not a lion or a bear now. Now it's a giant. And once you've fought a lion in private, once you've fought a bear in private, the Lord backs up and goes, okay, now... I need you to fight for other people. Now you're not going to win your own battles anymore. Now other people are going to win because you're in their life. When you pray, something happens. You pray. How many people have a friend or a family member? If all hell breaks loose, you call them. Raise your hand. You know who they are. Why? They fought in lions and bears. And so when your giant shows up, you want that person, Grandma, to show up. Grandma may be half crazy, but she can pray the house down. (laughs) She may be half crazy, she can only hear out of her nose, right? (laughs) But she knows how to pray the house down. Here's, Here's something that I love. There's a really cool scripture. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. It's easy to memorize because it's 2220. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. Watch this. It says, In a great house, there's not only vessels made of gold and silver, but of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. So Cleanse yourself. I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to dress like that. I'm not going to have that attitude. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. Cleanse yourself. Then you will be a vessel for honor. Sanctified and useful for the master for every good work. So you have sanctified yourself. You have separated yourself. You have fought battles that nobody knows about. You the Hell has pounced into your life for the sickness that you got to act like everything is okay when it's not. You're fighting, man. You are fighting depression. You're fighting the sickness. You're fighting. And you think nobody knows. You just have a stinky life. And then God backs up and goes, All right, you have earned your stripes. You've got cuts, you've got bruises, your armor is all dented up, but now you are going to fight. You're always going to fight in life, but when you fight now, you're not going to be the only one that wins. Other people are going to win because of you. Now at Celebration, we've been seeing this over the last three months. It hasn't been just me praying for people and them getting healed. It hasn't been just me. Actually, it hasn't been three months. November, December, January, February, March. Five months! Five months! Hasn't been just me. It's been people out in the crowd. Prayer partners. And I hear these stories all the time. And if you get healed at celebration and you don't tell us about it, shame on you. You've got to tell us about it. Because when I hear about it, it encourages me. Because you fought in lions and bears and now you're fighting for other people and God just uses you without you even realizing. Um, uh, Gemini, where are you? One of our worship leaders, uh, come on up here. Does anyone love this girl? Can she? Is she dynamite? Dynamite. Um, she she told me something um, in the there's a like a area where we drink water and get ready for the next service. And we were back there a couple weeks ago. And she told me something. I was like, shut up. And uh, I want her to share with you what happened in service uh, um, a few months ago. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so a few months ago, um, Randy Clark came to town. And on the drive-in, usually I'm praying and worshiping in the car. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what I want from you tonight is just to receive a fresh anointing. I want to host your presence. I want you to be able to pour me out whenever whenever you wish, whenever you desire. Anyway, so we came that night. It was really powerful. Who was here that night? It was really good, right? Yeah. So um, there's a point in the service where he said, I want you to take 60 seconds, and I want you to ask God for anything. And so most people were here for healing, and there's a few things I could have prayed for, but again, I reminded God of that prayer, that same prayer I prayed earlier. And, but my mother-in-law, she was here, and she was sitting right in front of me. And she received prayer, and she had uh, a lot of back pain. And so she was sitting there, and she was, like, crouched over, and she's shivering, and she's shaking. And I just felt led, and I just put my hand, my right hand, across her back, and I just started praying for her, for healing, for God to touch her. So on a side note, um, back in 2010, I graduated with a master's degree, and I did qualitative research, which is the long version and so I was always on my laptop, and I, I got carpal tunnel after that. So for years, since 2010, I have this, like, pain that just sort of comes. It's just there. I just have learned to live with it. And honestly, I didn't pray about it because it's just, again, it's not a terrible pain. It was just one of those where you just, you know, you live with it. So, but as in that moment, I'm sitting, I'm standing over her, and I'm putting my hand over her back. And I start to feel tingling, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and so I'm, sta- I stood there staring at my hand. There was tingling in that spot in my hand, and it just started to warm up. And I turned to one of the worship leaders who was next to me, and I said, "Erica, God just healed my hand." <laughs> so. So what was awesome is that you know I wasn't praying for my hand I was praying for my mother-in-law which the awesome testimony is that she got healed as well and so yeah that is awesome yeah.
0: thank you thank you you know that was a giant moment where someone else experienced the victory in their life because of her now here's the thing none of us know about the lions that she has fought. None of us know. But someone and we are reaping the benefits of the lion that she's fought. I'll tell you, the, the worship leaders that sing on this stage, you can tell they've been through a little bit. Are you with me? Like when, They're not singing. They're worshiping. You can tell they've fought in lions. And now when they worship, we reap the benefit. Our giants begin to fall. I want to tell you the level of giants that you will slay. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1, it says this. Um, I'm going to read it to you. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He has made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. I I just want you to know that there's moments where he he covers you and hides you in the shadow of his hand. And you live through seasons where in the shadow of his hand, you go through seasons where it's like, God, I want you to use me, but I just feel like I'm just like stagnant. I'm just standing here and all I'm doing is just fighting one batter after the next. I just feel like like I'm not doing anything. Look, he's in the shadow of his hand. and Then he backs up. He says, I will make you like a polished arrow. I need you. I need my glory right over there. I need somebody to speak to her. Come here. This is the day. I need somebody to pray for him. When you wake up in the morning, I know you got cuts and bruises and dents in your armor but He's polished you like an arrow. You're not just going to work. You're not just going to school. Your day is not just about the mundane anymore. You're a polished arrow. Stand to your feet for me, please.